Turn with me to Exodus. Exodus chapter 19 this morning. Exodus chapter 19. If you haven't been able to hear all the different messages in this series, I would encourage you to go online and go to the website and catch up. This series, to me, is one of the most important series that the Lord has ever laid on my heart. And that's because of the situation that our nation is in today. I love our nation. I thank God for our nation. But it is so evident in the time that we live that the church must rise up and be the church. We must spend time down on our knees praying and interceding for our nation and for our leaders. Just uh, last week I shared with you the Equality Act and that it was passed in the House of Representatives. And I encouraged you to to call our senators and let them know uh, that you want them to vote no when that is produced in the Senate. If you haven't done that, I encourage you. It's very easy to do. It's very easy to go online, find their email, send them an email, or call and just leave a message. But let your voice be heard. During the debate on the House floor, one of the representatives from Florida stood up with a Bible and quoted from Scripture. And he was quoting against this bill that it was not biblical, that it was ungodly. And the representative from New York, Jerry Nadler, had this response. He said, what any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. That's an exact quote. And church, that's the problem today in our nation. Our nation has pursued secularism and humanism where our nation thinks that we're God and that there is no other God. But the foundation of this nation, church, was totally different from that. In fact, 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, out of 56 signers, 52 of them were passionate Christians. 52 out of 56 were passionate Christians. The first reader that Congress approved to be printed for our children in school was the Bible. They had church every Sunday in the Capitol building. And so the same Congress that met and the senators that met, the same ones were there having church together in the Congress building. Church, we need to remember the foundation because it's the foundation that made this nation what it is today. Amen? So when I talk about a series of how to deliver a nation, I believe our nation needs to be set free from the, the, the mindset that is contrary, the false teaching that all of our founding fathers were just deist or atheist, because that's a lie. Anyone who is honest and who will do the research in history will find out 
that the, the founding fathers of our nation, by vast majority, were born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed in the power of the blood of Jesus. And they believed that this nation had a destiny to share the love of Jesus around the world. Amen? I want you to join me again with Exodus chapter 19. It opens in the shadow of Mount Sinai where Israel is coming together to meet. They're coming together to meet with the Lord. But before they could meet with the Lord, God calls them to four specific things. And I want to look at those four specific things today. Let's begin with verse 1, chapter 19 of Exodus. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, Rephidim, Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped there before the mountains. I want you to picture this. Here's these, the massive mountain range, granite, gray with purple hues, just a glorious mountain range in Mount Sinai, and they're coming there to meet with the Lord. God had planned to meet them there. He was saying, you are my people. I have set you free. Look what I did for you in setting you free from Egypt. And God wanted them to know he wanted them to draw close, and he wanted to draw close to them. Are you thankful that God wants to draw close to us today? New Testament says, draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto us. But in this passage, we're going to see that there's no place for a careless attitude when it comes to approaching the presence of God. We need to prepare ourselves. Today, sadly, when we, when we come to church and I'm thankful that we are still operating in that freedom and that right in this country that we have. But what is our attitude when we come? And that's what I want us to think about today. When we come into this house, what is our, our heart set on? Let's look at verse 3 through 6. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. He's reminding them of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, of his power, that he wants his people to live in freedom. God wants you to live in freedom. He doesn't want anything in, in life to hold you back from accomplishing what he has for you. Then he tells the people, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. I love that phrase, that imagery that God uses. Look at verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my co covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So the first thing, God wants people to come to Him that want to obey Him. I want you to let that sink in. 
He wanted them to come and to hear his word because they wanted to hear and obey. Too many times today in our culture, they say, well, this is just an ancient book. It has no relevance to today. And then people who do go to church many times will pick and choose what they like and what they don't like. God says, I want you to have a heart to hear and I want you to have a heart to obey. Our nation needs to come back to that. Amen? Well, we have a heart. We know that the, the founding fathers cherished the Word of God. They printed it. They, they, many of them belonged to Bible societies that gave away the Word of God in their states. They wanted people to understand the Word of God and to apply it in their lives because blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I make the declaration right here, right now, once more. Jesus, you are Lord over the United States of America. Amen? I don't care what they say, Jesus is still Lord. Amen? Now, I want to go back to that one phrase that God uses. I love this phrase. And how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. First of all, the Lord wants to bring us to himself. And he's using beautiful imagery here. He's using an eagle, a picture of an eagle. And if you've ever studied it, it's, it's very interesting how an eagle teaches an eaglet to fly. Because they'll push them out of the nest. They'll swoop down underneath them. They'll land on their wing. And then the, the, the parent will begin to soar higher and higher and higher. And then when they're, they reach a very high altitude, then they'll let the eaglet fall. And they, here's the eaglet, you know. <laughs> How many have ever felt like that in your spiritual life? Amen. Lord, I'm trying, but this just ain't working out. I can relate to that story. That's why I love it so much, that passage right there. There's lots of times I feel like that eaglet. But God swoops down like the eagle before we crash and burn and he swoops down and we land on his wing and he begins to take us up because God wants to teach us how to soar. Amen. He wants us to soar. And so I love that picture that God gives us. Now look at verse 4. There's some, or look at uh, verse 6. Verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The Lord wanted to develop an entire nation of priests. Wow. That's his heart. What did Peter say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9? He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. His, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
Peter says, the church of Jesus Christ is that priesthood that God wanted. That means, church, I'm not the only pastor in this place today. Every one of you are in that holy priesthood. You may not preach on a Sunday morning to a congregation, but you are called to tell people that you love Jesus and that you are not ashamed of Him and that you have been called out of the darkness into His marvelous light. Amen. Every one of us in church, that's what our nation needs. It needs every one of us not being ashamed of our godly heritage and making that godly heritage known and telling those in our world that we meet God, let me tell you, God took me from darkness into his marvelous light. And I'm going to praise him forever for what he's done. Amen? We are that priesthood. We have that mission. That is God's call for us. And we teach others. God has given us his word to bless us. Look at verse 7. So Moses came down and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. He was sharing the word of God with the people. Israel responds. I love Israel's response. Look at verse 8. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. Did you hear that? Imagine between two and two and a half million people gathered together in, in this, this valley looking up at the mountain range around them. You can just imagining it echoing with two million or more people saying the same thing. I love it. What did they say? Verse 8, then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. I love this. Church, is that our heart today? Lord, whatever your word says to do, I'll do it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to do. I'm going to have a passion not only to know God's Word, but to be obedient to it. Our nation has to come back to that. If we don't, our nation, like every other nation that has turned its back on the true and the living God, will struggle, struggle and be destroyed. I want you to look at the second point. Not only are we to be obedient to the Word, we're to be sensitive to listen. Look at verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. So the Lord not only wanted them to have a desire to be obedient, but to want to listen to the Lord. And church, God still speaks to us today. Are you with me? Years ago, I was in the sheriff's department taking a test, and one of the tests they asked me is, is if I heard voices. 
I said, only God's. They still hired me. I don't know what was wrong. God speaks to us. He speaks to us through that still, small voice. Doesn't he? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through creation. One of the things that Will shared with me on the way up here, I really loved it. He said, he, he told some, some of the people down in Texas, he said, every morning we wake up and we see man's creation. We see cement and we see buildings and skyscrapers and all these things. He says, when you're in Alaska and you wake up, you look out every morning and you see what God's built. You see His creation. And he says, hey, listen to this. He said, that's why revival's coming to Alaska. Amen. We see God's majesty. We see His creation. And God speaks to us today. They were, they were to be sensitive to listen and to hear the voice of the Lord. I want to ask you today, do you get excited about God's Word? I want to ask you another question. Have you ever read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? You'd be surprised at how many Christians would say, well, I've read parts, but I've never read the whole thing. Years ago, I had a deacon in the church that I challenged the church in the new year. I said, let's read through the Word this year. Read the whole entirety of God's Word. And he came up to me and he said, he said Pastor, you really challenged me today because I've read portions of God's Word for years. But he said, I've never read through the entirety of God's Word. And he said, I'm going to do that this year. He said, this is what really struck me. He said, I don't want to stand before God one day having not read every word that He gave to me. And so I'm not here to condemn you if you haven't. Maybe you even struggle with, with reading. Maybe you've got dyslexia or something like that. You can get the Bible on CD. Man, you can download it. But you can hear the Word of God. We must bring the Word of God into prominence in our nation again. Amen? The third thing. They were to consecrate their hearts. I want to look at verse 10, 11, and part of 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. This wasn't about the quality of their clothes. And, and as a church, as a pastor, we welcome anyone to come. You don't have to dress up. You can come in jeans. You can come in a holy t-shirt. No pun intended. It's not about what we're wearing. 
But it is important that we understand that we don't just bebop into God's presence. That we don't just say, oh, it's another day, hey, it's another Sunday, I'm going to go worship, sing a few songs, get my worship on, and you know, hear the pastor say a little sermon, and you know, it's just another Sunday. God wanted them to know that this day was special. I, I've been in southeast Alaska during the summer when they were, the canneries were running full speed. And I would have people leave the cannery and walk into the back of the church. And everybody in the church knew they were there. They had their extra tufts on and they were covered in slime and fish guts. I didn't tell them to leave. I was thankful that they were there. It's not about the clothing, but God was saying, this represents your heart. You need to come to me with a clean heart. A heart that is consecrated. A heart that is set apart for God. Amen? I'm not saying we, we have to be perfect to come into God's presence, but we come saying, Lord, here's my heart, Lord. I love you. I fail. I'm not perfect. But Lord, I want to be perfect. I want to live for you. I want to be obedient. I want to hear your voice. Lord, my heart is open to you. Amen? Have your way in my heart, Lord. Have your way in my heart. Our nation was once sensitive to the Word of God. There was a time when every courtroom had the Ten Commandments posted. In recent years, they've begun to remove many of the Ten Commandments and the statues and other things. In church, it's, a, it's up to us. It's up to us. And the good news is, God worked through one man named Moses. It was God's power. It was His plan. But there was one man that was humble, that was surrendered to God, that said, God, I'll go and do what you want me to do. Amen? God can work through us. If He can work through a, a shepherd that was, that was cast out of Egypt on the backside of the desert, who was herding sheep, if God can take, take that man who stuttered and bring him into Pharaoh's presence and say, let my people go, then God can use his church in this day. It's still his power. It's still his plan. But church, we have to say, here I am, just like Moses. God, use me. We have to be consecrated. We have to recognize that we need our hearts to be pure before the Lord. In verse 12 and 13, God spoke again. He said, you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, take heed to yourself that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Now that's a difficult verse for us. What are you saying here, God? You want us to put boundaries around the mountain where they can't come? You don't want them to touch the base of the mountain? 
You want us to stone them or shoot them with an arrow to stop them? That doesn't sound like a loving God. But what God wanted them to understand is they can't just bebop into His presence. God would rather that they be shot or stoned than to come up into His presence and dissolve because of His power, because of His presence. It's difficult to think about. But the fourth thing I want us to see is they showed a deep respect for God's presence. God was saying that He would rather that their life be taken by a man rather than come into His presence and their life be snuffed out. Verse 21 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Many of them would have perished because their hearts weren't right. They weren't right to come into the presence of God. Only those that God said could approach Him. But the others had to stay away. Look at verse 23. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. So God demands respect, church. He demands respect for His holy presence. One of the greatest compliments that our church ever receives is when we have someone visit and they come up to me after the service and I've had this happen time and time again. And they say, I really felt the presence of God in this place today. I just recently, on Wednesday night, had another person, a couple, do that. They were from back east, and they were visiting family here, and they came to church on a Wednesday night, and they said, we, we've been watching online before we came on our vacation, and we, we've been here for several weeks now, and we've come to the Sunday services and the Wednesday night services, and they said, I want you to know how much we appreciate coming into the presence of God. They said there's so many churches today that are just going through the motions. They're not concerned about drawing close to the Lord or having God touch their lives. But they, they said, we know that you cultivate the presence of God. You want God to come and for Him to have His way in this place. Church, that's true. Amen. You can find churches that may have uh, tens of thousands of people, but that doesn't mean necessarily that their hearts are consecrated and that the presence of God is there. And I would love to have tens of thousands of people coming in worship. But more than that, church, I want to make sure that we're cultivating the presence of the true and the living God. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a worship team. It's not about a church denomination. It's about Jesus. It's about coming into the presence of God with our hearts open, saying, Lord, my heart is set apart for you. My heart is consecrated for you. Thank you, Lord. In verse 23, it says, But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us. 
He was warning them. Set bounds around the mountain and consecrated. I want you to think about different people in Scripture. When they, when they came and had an encounter with God. Today, we, we've, I think we've shifted so far from a biblical view from God that all we focus on is, is Abba Father. And church, don't misunderstand me. God is our Abba Father. He's the God that loves us. He, he is love. He is, he is welcoming. He, he invites us to come boldly to the throne of grace with our petitions. He's a God that loves you unconditionally. I, one of my favorite passages in all of scriptures, Luke 15, it's the prodigal son. I've told many people, if I had just one passage that I, could, that I had to preach and I couldn't preach anything else in scripture, it would be Luke 15. The, the father that's watching out, looking for the return of the son. And when he sees the son, he runs to the son. He embraces him and kisses him. He welcomes him back from the pig pen of sin. Amen? That's the God that loves us today. Amen? But there are other pictures of God in Scripture. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Later on, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He was convicted of his sin in the presence of God. But the thing there, when Isaiah saw him, he saw him as a king and his train, the train of his robe, filled the temple. It was everywhere in the temple. And the, the message there, church, is important. It's saying that there is no greater king. There is no greater kingdom. Because in that day, the train of a king's robe was correlated with the, the greatness of his kingdom. So the greater the kingdom of, of the king, then the longer his train. And so Isaiah saw the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He saw the king of the greatest kingdom that there has ever been or ever will be. Are you with me? Amen. Remember, not only Isaiah, but Joshua. When Joshua had an, a, a pre-incarnate counter with Jesus in Joshua chapter 5, verse 14, Scripture says, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does the Lord say to his servant? He's totally surrendered, falls on his face, and begins to worship. In John in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, verse 17, it says, John records this. He says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And the message here, church, is very simple. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you. He does. I'm not saying that he's not your father. He's your, your daddy. Your heavenly Father. I'm not saying that He doesn't love you. I'm not saying He's not watching over you and doesn't want to restore you when you fall. But what I'm saying, church, He is also the King of kings, the Lord God, omnipotent, our Creator. 
that he is to be reverenced and honored. He is holy, he is righteous, and he's just. And we need to understand that. In verse 16, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunder... I want you to get this. Listen to this closely. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of a trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. And Mount, now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. The whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Wow. What an awesome experience that was. Most of us remember the, the largest earthquake that hit a year and a half or so ago. Most of us know exactly where we were and exactly what we were doing. <laughs> And that was nothing compared to what they were experiencing. I want to ask you, what do you think Moses was feeling in that moment? Well, the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 21 tells us exactly how Moses felt. It says, and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. Again, church, I'm not saying God doesn't love us. But I'm saying that we need to have a biblical view that respects God. That honors God. We need to recognize He is the Creator of everything. And that one day we will stand before Him and have to give an account. In verse 20 of Exodus 20, we see something else. We're jumping ahead a chapter, and I want to read this one verse. It says, And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that His fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. I want, I want us to think about that. God mentions Fear twice. First of all, he says, do not fear. And that's an ungodly fear. That's a fear that just is afraid and, and cowers. But then he says later in that same verse that God has come to test you that his fear, his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. Church, that's powerful. Our nation no longer has a fear of God. The statement by Jerry Nadler in Congress makes that evident. Our nation no longer has a reverent fear of God. 
but our founding fathers did. In their writings, it is evident. They recognized that God was establishing this nation. If they were going to become a nation, He had to bring it about. It was His plan. One of the founding fathers in that time period said about the pulpits that the pulpits thundered. God was moving in the hearts of the pastors all over the country. And they were thundering God's truth. They were thundering God's presence, about His presence and His power and what God wants and what in our lives. And they were thundering the sound of freedom. And our nation has drifted away from that. God doesn't want us cowering and afraid to come to, to Him, but He wants us to have a godly fear. That when we come to Him, we recognize He's God and I'm not. He knows best. I want to be obedient to what God says. I love this verse because it tells us that when we have a proper godly fear, that our lives will be cleaner. I want you to think about that. So many times we, we talk about God's grace, and God's grace is real. Jesus is God's grace to us. His unmerited favor to us. He forgives us. He restores us. But at the same time, church, God doesn't call us to a cavalier attitude that we simply say, well, the life I lead does not matter. If we're going to see our nation turned around, then we have to be determined to live for Jesus. We have to be determined saying, Lord, empower me, equip me, enable me to be the light, to be the salt. Lord, that people see the difference in me, that they'll know that there is a God because of the life that I live. Amen? How we talk, how we walk, the actions of our life, what is important to us. All these things matter. And when the world sees a genuine love for Jesus in your life, when they see someone who is on fire for Jesus, His light is burning in our lives and we're passionate, they'll say, wow, what is that? I want to know about that and I want that in my life. There's one other verse I want to share with you. Well, before we go to that verse, I want to hit that note again. God loves us enough that He's not going to let us get away with sin. Church, in the culture we live in today, our culture has legalized a lot of things that the God, God's Word says are sin. And as Christians, this is our, our direction. This is our guidance. This is God's Word. And this is what we live by. And I want to challenge you today. Is there something in God's Word that you're saying, well, that doesn't really matter. God will let me slide. I know it's wrong, but... And all of us can fall into that trap. 
We can. Oh, he loves me. Jesus loves me. He's going to forgive me. He's that loving Heavenly Father. He's going to wrap. But church, what I want you to know is sin has consequences. God wasn't giving the Ten Commandments to His people to spoil their fun. He was giving them His Ten Commandments because He's telling them this is how life works best. And church, I've lived it. I know it. When we sin, death comes into our lives. Death comes in. You say, well, what about a little white lie? Or what about if I just do this or do that? Or All of it. It doesn't matter if it's sin. It welcomes death into our lives in some way. Now, am I saying all of us are going to live perfect? No. God's Word says to know to do to To know to do good and to do it not is sin. How many know you don't pray enough? How many know you don't read God's Word enough? How many know you don't witness enough? We're never going to be perfect this side of heaven, church. But we need to pursue God's presence and power that He would work through us, that we can, every one of us, be like Moses saying, God took me from the darkness into His marvelous light and I want to lead you into the freedom that God's brought to me. I want to, I want to end with uh, this verse in, in Exodus chapter 24, verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. God wanted us to have His instructions written down. I want want you to listen to this, church. This is the most precious book ever written. This is the most precious book you will ever possess. And there are people in the world today that do not even have one copy of God's Word in their own language. Our founding fathers wanted to make sure that everyone in the United States had a copy of God's Word. That's why many of them were were founders and involved in Bible societies that gave away Bibles. That's why they they had the, the first reader for our schools was the Bible. Church, I love this Word. And you can trust God's Word. He wanted it written down so that you could have it. So that He could speak to you through this Word. So that you would know how life works best. So many people today think, well, our culture's different than that. That's just old-timey. It's eternal. It's eternal. And you cannot live a better life on this world than living for Jesus with a heart that's consecrated to Him and living by His Word. Amen. I want you to stand with me. I want the worship team to come. In church, if you've known me very long, you know that I'm not trying to point fingers at anyone and accuse them of anything. 
Church, I want you to join me and say, I want to be a Moses. Lord, here's my heart. Lord, my heart's consecrated to you. And if you're here today, church, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come. They're going to come to the front and come to the back of the auditorium. And before we close today, I want to give you an opportunity just to come and pray with one of our prayer team members. And I want to ask you today, do you know that you're right with God? Have you made that commitment to Him? Because it starts when we make that commitment. And then God begins to work through our lives. And we tell people about being brought from the darkness into His marvelous light. Amen? And I'm praying that we would be that kind of church. A royal priesthood. Where all of us are involved in in saying, Jesus makes the difference. I'm not ashamed. That's what made our nation so great. And that's why our nation is spiraling down right now. Because our nation is turning its back on God. I want you to come, if you will, whatever needs you have today. Maybe you want to intercede. Maybe you have a son or a daughter or a family member that doesn't know the Lord today. Maybe you have a family member that's struggling physically and you want to lift them up in prayer. Maybe you have a financial need. Whatever your need is today, but most of all, if you're not a child of God, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, I want you to find one of our prayer team at the back or at the front, and I want you to join them and let them pray with you and say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Worship team, would you lead us?